I'm Jessica Reeves, and I've been analyzing and reporting on extremism for the last 10 years, and I have the gray hair to prove it. Subscribe to our podcast, Extremely, for an always eye-opening look inside the daily work of exposing, fighting, and disrupting all facets of extremism. My co-host, Oren Siegel, and I explore this ever-changing landscape and bring you stories of people and places impacted by extremism, those who fight to protect our communities, and those who offer new perspectives. You can find Extremely wherever you listen to podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Welcome to Pod Save America. I'm John Favreau. I'm John Lovett. I'm Tommy Vitor. I'm Dan Pfeiffer. Welcome to our annual holiday mailbag episode. It's here, guys. I can't believe it. It's here. And thanks to everyone who sent in questions via Twitter, Instagram, and of course, our friends of the pod Discord. And threads, bud. Threads? Well, threads of the pod? Is that a thing now? Yeah. We got some threads. I just read what's on my script. It I'm says, just saying, I just, I'm not, not no, no criticism. Just also reminding people about threads. It is, a, it is an Instagram sure uh, thing but yeah that's right anyway enough <laughs> of this let's get right into it we got a lot of questions like this one from at means 23 on twitter are you concerned about biden's position on the war in gaza and how this will affect voter turnout in particular with younger voters tommy i am concerned i think the, the polling is a little weird and all over the place in this right as of recently there's a cbs poll from early december it showed 38% of Democrats think Biden has shown too much support for Israel, and that's up from 28%. I think that's sort of weird phrasing, though. I don't know what support means. Kind of got to define that. Yeah, right. I, I don't like vague polling. There's also, in that same survey, 26% of Democrats want Biden to support uh, pro-Palestinian protests in the uh, in the U.S. There was another previous poll, though, that showed Democrats' approval of Biden's handling of the situation in Gaza went up from 50% to 59% right around the ceasefire, I think. So again, polling's a little all over the place. My concern is more anecdotal. I, I've had a bunch of conversations with Arab-American friends or Muslim-American friends who say they're hearing from people that they feel demoralized. They don't know if they can vote. Um, they feel like they were let down based on their support for 2020. So um, there's pockets of this happening in Michigan that's been highly reported or swing states like Pennsylvania. So I think it's something that you know, Biden has time to fix, but he should keep an eye on uh, and be aware of. Yeah. And I mean, I will say this, like if you are upset or disappointed or outraged with Joe Biden over Gaza, like you have every right to feel that way. And I don't think it's very effective because I've seen this here and there uh, to tell Muslim Americans or Arab Americans or any Americans uh, who are on the fence about voting for Biden in 24 because of Gaza, like, well, if you uh, if you don't vote for him, you know, good luck with the Muslim ban. But I also do think it's possible and even reasonable to vote for someone that you are angry with or disappointed with. And I think that because at the end of the day, your vote is not about 
rewarding or punishing Joe Biden or Donald Trump or really any politician. It's about choosing between two different outcomes that will each have tangible real life consequences for you and millions of other people. And in a closed country that's 50-50, uh, your vote can be decisive in those outcomes. Also, um, don't wait until 2024. You can be active now. Call your congressman. Yes. Say, hey, I'm disappointed in the lack of uh, effort to push for a ceasefire or to limit civilian casualties in Gaza. I want you to do more. I want you to urge the administration to do more. And there is a $14 billion request for aid to Israel that you will pro ostensibly vote on in the new year. Tell your Democratic senators, don't vote for that bill if there's no conditions. Don't give BB Netanyahu a blank check. That's, that is one way to get involved for sure. Dan, sea otter friend asks, this is my favorite part of the mailbag episode. I do love the names. Me too. Me too, too. So sea otter friend asks, what should one say to swing voters who don't believe democracy is on the line? Don't tell them democracy is on the line. <laughs> no, look, democracy is 100% on the line in this election. Donald Trump is being very explicit about what his what his specific plans are if he gets it into power, whether he says he's going to be a dictator on day one or all the stories we read about how he's going to weaponize the federal government to reward his friends, protect himself and punish his enemies. But if we simply make the case, say democracy is on the line or, or this could be the end of democracy, that's something that means very little to a lot of people. Right. It simply is just saying, here's this political system that most of you think doesn't work very well. And here's this guy who's going to shake it up or destroy it or whatever version they see. So I think, say a few things. One, you should be very specific about the things that Donald Trump is going to do and how it's going to affect your lives. And if you want to make a broader argument, I would spend less time talking about how the threat Donald Trump poses to democracy and more about the threat he poses to people's personal freedoms. Right. Whether that is your your, you know, what books you can read, what healthcare decisions you can make, whether you can access an abortion, whether, you, you know, what access to contraception, who you can love, all of those things are going to be at risk because we have an authoritarian who will not abide by not just norms, but laws when in office. Unless people don't want to vote in any other elections. Maybe they want they want this to be the last election they vote yeah. in. In which case Given the tempo hey, of emails from we Democrats, have the... that could be appealing. Yeah, a lot of time back. Yeah. yeah, yeah if you if you true. skip this way, it's like uh it's like when uh, uh Homer Simpson's boss said if you don't come if you don't come in Friday, don't bother coming in Monday. <laughs> and he's like, Cool, four day weekend. Uh <laughs> yeah, I do think that like I think like Republicans like their strength, they they go to people and they say, uh, you're not wrong to care about this. Right. Like give in to that feeling, that bad feeling that you have given to that worst instinct. And I think Democrats are our mirror image of that is less successful, which is you're wrong not to care about that, which is like hectoring people into caring about something the same way that we do. And I do think that like people are telling us what they care about. Abortion is something they really care about. Access to health care is something they really care about. And I don't think we need to um, uh, send mail out copies of uh, how democracies end by those two professors. <laughs> I don't I don't think I don't think I don't think we can get people how to read that. How democracies die. How democracies <laughs> die. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know that. I don't know that mailing copies. Of I can that correct work. that, but I cannot tell you the names. <laughs> Levitant, Stephen something. I don't know. A anyway. couple, couple of fucking nerds from one of those anti-Semitic institutions up north. I'm oh not boy. sure which one. Oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> Coming out hot. It's a great book. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a great book. But long on problems, short on solutions. <laughs> <laughs> but still pretty good. I like that. They came on, they came on Love It or Leave It. They were good. Let's keep it loose. Let's keep it loose. All right. <laughs> I Honestly, I really do appreciate you changing the tone from the, yeah. from the top there. Yeah. That's better. There we yeah. go. Great. All right. This one came from Chelsea Amory. 
I'm all for backing Biden since this is most likely. But I am genuinely curious, if it weren't the case, who would be a good alternative for the Democratic Party? I'm not talking about who was already in the race. Yeah, we know you're not. (laughs) (laughs) But potential people you would like to see as an option. Okay, that's a fun hypothetical, right? So if Joe Biden wakes up tomorrow and tells us he changed his mind and he isn't running for re-election, which every piece of available evidence says will not happen, (laughs) but if he does... A bunch of candidates would jump in the race. Kamala Harris, most certainly, probably Gavin Newsom, probably J.B. Pritzker. I do think that the strongest general election candidate would be someone from outside Washington. Oprah. Mm. One in a swing state. The Rock. Younger. Ooh. Not too lefty. Not too centrist. Um, Hey, what if they uh, fixed a highway pretty quick? Not a lot of baggage. (laughs) Beyonce. I land on... Knows his way around, his way around a cheesesteak? Yeah, so, so Josh Shapiro, <laughs> governor of Pennsylvania. Tom definitely Hanks. up there. I think Gretchen Whitmer. Gretchen Whitmer is so popular in Michigan, has now won twice, mm-hmm. has like a great story to tell, state we need. Gretchen Whitmer and Josh Shapiro are two... The, my, those are my two top right now. And I think even though he's a senator, I would also throw Raphael Warnock in there because he's still relatively new to D.C. and he has won twice in a really tough state. Hey, you pick you pick any of those you put. I'm not I'm not mad at yet. <laughs> those are great. I'll take any. Did, did you just give a thumbs up yeah. on this? No, one? <laughs> I'm just uh, honestly I hate when the Zoom ducking. Does that. Oh, now he's frozen too. Yeah. It's Zoom has started giving you a fucking thumbs up it emoji doesn't make when you any do fucking a thumbs sense. up. It's the one thing you don't need because the thumbs up is the thumbs up. Why does doing a thumbs up give you an emoji thumbs up? It's also, a double thumbs up. It's so fucking stupid. Stop haunting us with new features like it's still the fucking pandemic. It's over. Stop. It's over. <laughs> we hated you then. Yeah, we, yeah, we hated you then. Yeah. Zoom. No Zoom drinks. Let's do Zoom drinks. <laughs> Who's doing Zoom? Who are you doing Zoom, Zoom drinks with? <laughs> Absolutely no one, but apparently someone thought that, that we need a whole bunch of emoji reactions it's, now. It's really Dan is Dan is still frozen. Can you hear he me? He looks like he's hammered <laughs> in this picture. He's got like one eye open. We can hear you fine, okay. Dan. <laughs> this is uh this will definitely be the thumbnail the social team will pick of me for this podcast. Yeah. It definitely you, you look like it's yeah. like a Mr. Beast kind of goofy video look, video thumbnail. Anyway, anyone else got some candidates they want to talk about? In this fantasy scenario? You know who never gets mentioned? Uh, Tim Walls over in mm. Minnesota. But they've done a lot of good stuff. <laughs> Jared Polis? Jared, Jared Polis. Polis. I think I think it's time for a gay president. Pritzker? Wes Moore is going to be great someday. He, he just was elected governor of Maryland, but Wes Moore is someone to keep an eye on. Although I'm still well. pissed at Jared Polis for backing out of Love It or Leave It last minute. So okay, Jared well, that's Polis, all, that's it. Yeah. you're that's off all you my to... shortlist. One issue yeah, voter right here. Yeah. All politics is personal. Yeah, damn right it is. All right, back to a serious question for Tommy. Oh, uh, sorry, guys. Tyne, another friend of the pod subscriber, asks, with right-wing populists slash far-right and outright fascist politicians on the rise in the U.S. and many countries in Europe, but also in South America, <laughs> do you think there are connected global reasons for their rise? I think the right-wing populism story is a mixed bag. In Poland in October, uh, a right-wing populist lost to a coalition of pro-EU parties. So now you got this guy named Donald Tusk. Remember him? Yeah. He's from our days. He was, sure. a, he was a former president of the European Council. So like a certified it's globalist. A, it's a rocket ship. Running, <laughs> running <laughs> Poland. <laughs> Argentina, Argentina voted for this crazy like right-wing libertarian dude. The Netherlands voted for right-wing populists who just demagogued Muslims. I think, I don't know if they're connected necessarily. I think they're common threads. It's like people are mad about the economy. They hate elites. They hate the corrupt ruling class. They want to break things or burn it down. They're mad at immigration. They're mad at changing demographics. And usually they find a scapegoat to blame. So I think those are the common elements. 
the kind of right-wing populist playbook that you have to watch out for. Sounds I, familiar to one we've seen here. I also think that because technology has connected us uh, so intimately, unfortunately, on social media and everywhere else, that it, like some of these movements you can see are copying each other from country to country. And so I think that connects as well as, like you said, mass migration that is caused by a whole bunch of different things is uh, is definitely challenging a lot of governments. All right. Uh, a man and his cat asks, when I hear Democratic politicians talk, they seem quick to pivot to uh, voter hip pocket issues. Hip pocket? I guess that's I like that's kitchen a, table. Pocket, I think, I think it's combining pocket book issues and hip pocketing. Sure. Whatever. Hmm. Uh, is concentrating on that message still a winning strategy in today's identity politics world? It feels like more food on the table for you and your hardworking family is a folksy and quaint approach nowadays, not meeting the moment. So the reason you hear so many Democratic politicians talk about economic issues is because that is what the vast majority of Americans care about the most, because the vast majority of Americans, something like two thirds, do not have a college degree and do not make six figure incomes. And when you talk to these voters about politics, to the extent that they're paying attention, and many of them are not, they care about what politicians are doing to solve their biggest and most immediate concerns, which is their ability to afford the cost of living for themselves and their families. That is not to say that these Americans don't have other concerns. Many of them desperately want access to abortion. They want their kids to feel safe when they go to school. They want to be treated equally under the law. But what they think about all the time, every day, is getting by. And that is true independent of identity, race, gender, sexual orientation, all of it. The sentiment that talking about economic issues is folksy or quaint or soft or not the right strategy is also a common one among uh certain pundits, a lot of posters, people who are posting on the internet all the time. And it's people who are disproportionately, I think, highly educated, relatively well off and consume a lot of political news. And political news is also consumed with debates around identity and culture. So there, I do think there is a bubble effect there. But if you go talk to less engaged, less educated, less well off people, um, who are most people? and which pollsters do and politicians do and grassroots organizers do, you will absolutely hear a different set of concerns. And that's why Democratic politicians talk about those issues all the time. Can I give some numbers on that, John? The, yes, the, please. The, please do. Because the New York Times actually asked voters to whether they, their vote was going to be more based on a politician's position on social issues, which includes guns, abortion, and democracy. And you could go the way they word it. It could be because you're a, a conservative or liberal on those issues or economic issues like jobs cost of living in Texas, and economic issues won 57 to 29, a number that is up 12 points in four battleground states since 2022. And again, it doesn't mean that these voters don't care, Like, because you hear a lot of people being like, don't they care that it's the, the democracies at risk here? It's like, yeah, they probably would care if they knew about it, but they were working three jobs to try to pay the bills and didn't really have time to follow all the ins and outs of Donald Trump's like latest crazy uh, moves on whatever, you know, like his, his latest speech or his latest trial or anything like that. So. Yeah, it's also just, just like, there's a reason that abortion, I think, has broken through in a way that some other concerns around democracy haven't. And look, like you go outside, the birds are chirping. It's not like convincing people that we're on the verge of a dictatorship is very difficult. It just is. But what they do see is the cost of living. What they do experience is uh like rising housing costs, the fact that yes, inflation is down, but costs are still higher than they were a year ago, two years ago. Like those are things people see and feel and experience every single day. And I think our job is to have a case that 
makes people feel heard on those issues, that respects that experience, while at the same time making real for people the threat around abortion, the threat around democracy. We have to just, we have to do both. Well, to your point, people also can viscerally see when they can't get an abortion, yeah. right? Because there's no abortion access in the state. They read the news when they see like there's a, a school shooting in a nearby school, right? So they care about gun violence, but it is it is issues that actually affect people's lives and not like esoteric debates that happen on Twitter. Trump's going to change Schedule F. <laughs> right. Which is bad for a lot of people yeah, I think who, get, who lose jobs and so who are uh, civil servants. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm, look, I'm not very, I don't think it's good. Before we head to break, it's almost 2024, which means it's time to join the Vote Save America community for all the tools you need to take action in this presidential election cycle, from volunteer opportunities to making sure you're registered to vote. At Vote Save America, being an engaged citizen starts right now. Head to votesaveamerica.com to find out how you can get involved today. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How do you cope when there's something weighing on you or something you need to get off your chest? You know the best way to do it? Best way to cope is to talk about it. Not just cram it down, not do what generations of New Englanders have done, just stuff their feelings down, maybe cover it with a coat of booze. No, you got to talk to someone, you got to work it out, get it off your chest. And just by doing that, you will feel better. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash PSA. Go today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P-S-A. I'm Oren Siegel, and I've been fighting extremism, anti-Semitism, and hate for more than 20 years. You should subscribe to our podcast, Extremely, to get a unique perspective on the daily work and the people who have dedicated their lives to exposing, fighting, and disrupting extremism, anti-Semitism, and all forms of hate. We bring you the stories of people and communities not only impacted by hate, but who offer new perspectives and ways to push back. You can find Extremely wherever you listen to podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. All right, uh, JSATS23 on Threads asks, what are your news sources? Curious where you get your information and why. Dan? Crooked media and only crooked media. There you go. That's it. No, it's, it is actually really interesting, the world we have come to live in like in the last year since Twitter's been broken and other social platforms like Facebook have devalued political news. We're like back to the place where we were like a decade ago, where if you want to go find out what's happening, you have to go to a website or sign up for a newsletter to be delivered into your inbox, right? The idea that someone is going to deliver the news to your phone just doesn't exist anymore, right? You will not, you cannot just randomly bump into political news anymore. You have to actively seek it out. It has become much harder than it has been since any time I can remember in trying to follow politics. 
So where do you get your news from? Yeah, where do you get your fucking news, Dan? Why, why are you ducking the question? <laughs> well, I'm giving it. Uh, so Steve Bannon's war room. Steve, Steve Bannon's war room. Anything Ben Shapiro does. No. So uh, all like the big newsletters like uh, Politico Playbook, Punchbowl, the NBC first read newsletter, I think can be very useful. The good one. Some of the New York Times newsletters are very helpful. Um, if you really follow polling, then the the Nate Cohn uh, the Tilt newsletter is very good. A bunch of different Substacks that I follow that help you. Uh, you know, they're they're a little more like issue specific. Like there's a bunch of ones around polling, some around like the legal stuff around Trump. Um, you just it's a whole bunch of different places. But th- I will also just in the middle of the day, I'll go to the New York Times website, the Washington Post website, and even sometimes, and I hate to admit it, but Politico's website to find out like what has happened during the day because I can't rely on Twitter to tell me anymore. Yeah, yeah, I think it's actually those are I, my big three too. Yeah, I, I I've noticed in just even the last six months, I was like, oh, that's right. Like it used to be like the osmosis of Twitter, you could feel like you were getting a good range of things. But I think I continued to feel as though that was true, even though it wasn't true for a long time. And fully giving up on Twitter has made me go back to like literally just going to the websites like we used to. And like I actually think it's better. Like I think I think this is certainly a better way to stay. I feel more informed like today than I did a couple months ago. When you go to the landing page of a website, you're not not trapped by an algorithm. Yeah. Right. You know, you're forced to see the international section, the business section, like a bunch of things you just never would seek out or it would never feed you. Yeah, it is a better way of getting news. All right, Pete Borkowski at PeteB93 asks, is Ron DeSantis's presidential campaign the worst slash most disappointing in relation to expectations in American history? Oh, so I got, I got some, I got some nominees here and I want to hear from you guys who you, yeah. aside from DeSantis. I, I have some in my mind. Yeah, you go. Scott Walker. Remember Scott Walker? Yep. Former governor of Wisconsin, ran in uh, the 2016 primary, was mentioned as a top-tier candidate early on in that race, dropped out by, flamed out in September 2015. Fred Thompson, former senator from Tennessee, also movie star. Hunt for Red October, anybody? was like, oh boy, Fred Thompson's going to jump in the 2008 race. This is going to be a big thing. Great voice, too. Great voice in a lot of uh, ads for catheters or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reverse mortgages. Reverse mortgages, yeah, Yeah, something like that. Ended up not winning, not doing well at all in the early states and dropped out in early 2008. Wes Clark. That's who I was mine. That was mine. Former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO. Great title. Best title in the biz, I think. Yeah, Supreme Allied Commander. That's that's pretty good. He's going to shake up the 2004 Democratic primary by jumping in. Wore a sweater, fucked up a question on Iraq. He was out. He forgot. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. He was on his plane. A reporter started asking him questions about Iraq. He forgot his position and then screamed his press secretary's name and called for help. Help Mary. Mary, Mary help. Help Mary. <laughs> help Mary. Help Mary. Uh, so that was it for Wes Clark. Uh, Jeb Bush. That's I mean, Jeb one. Bush. 2016, the front runner the whole time and just- $100 million. $100 million. Dollars. Yeah. It just didn't didn't go anywhere. Please clap. This is me lighting it on fire. Please clap. What about Margot Rubio? Same year. Also got a cover of Time Magazine. Is he is he the uh, the great savior of the Republican Party? He didn't flame out as hard. To, look, he I yeah. he did not. I mean, he he was he didn't do as well as Ted Ted Cruz, but he ended his campaign by losing a insult contest with Donald Trump about penis size, and then cried because he was so concerned <laughs> about Donald Trump having access to our nuclear arsenal, and then endorsed Donald Trump like three months later. 
Okay, you're right. He also still hasn't, to this day, he still refuses to say that Donald Trump can be trusted with nuclear weapons. So his his position to this day remains Donald Trump cannot be uh, trusted with the nuclear codes. I would like him to have him have them anyway. <laughs> that is his position. I got one more, and this is going to be, this might seem strange to you youngins, but uh, Rudy Giuliani in 2008 oh, yeah. was the front runner most of the race in the Republican primary. He decided... He, he had an interesting strategy of not focusing at all on the early states. He was going to he was going to go right to Florida because that had more delegates. He skipped all the early states, uh, did not do well on them, and then came in third in Florida and dropped out after like a whole year of leading the national polls. That flame out makes a lot more sense now that we know him in these later years. Yeah. 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 That flame out came uh, hard earned at the bottom of a traveler booze. But it's hard to th- think about this now because of who, who Rudy is now as he's uh, in a trial today for defamation. But like after 9-11, America's mayor, one of the most popular politicians in the country, you know, obviously Bush wins in 2004, but then they're like, oh, the next Republican, next Republican president, that's going to be Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, it was interesting. Didn't do the flame out. And then it, it also just sort of, because if you go back, like other primaries were like more consistent, but Rudy kind of like like John McCain coming up the rear, you know? Anyway. Anyway, does anyone have a favorite? Who do you think's the who do you think's the biggest flame out? You guys have a, a winner from that list? Oh man, that's a really good list. Do I think it has to be Jeb yeah. Bush from your list. Because a lot of these other yeah, people I agree. were, you know, came in like the Fred Thompson, Wes Clark were just kind of like these larks that happened late in the race where people got kind of desperate. We are leaving out Ed Muskie, who was the overwhelming favorite, oh, who wow. then maybe possibly shed a tear in New Hampshire and then his campaign ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary, Hart. Gary, Gary Hart. Gary Hart was what I was going to say. Boom. Gary Hart is Gary Hart. Yeah. It, it sounds ridiculous saying it out loud, but Rick Perry was pretty highly regarded yes. going into 2012. That's who I. I yes, I don't want a good one. Good you know, one. John, we both were speaking. I don't want to gloss over the fact that you said Hillary Clinton shed a tear and then vroom. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it. I heard it. Good, thank she just you. didn't want to see us fall backwards, John. She just <laughs> that fucking that was good stuff. Obama for not oh. getting the public option. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was just channeling my inner. My your inner, inner who? <laughs> Who's in there, buddy? My inner lefty podcast. <laughs> I think you're likable enough. Um, Good question. Boo. Okay. Tommy. Yeah. We have one from um, Ryan Whitledge on Twitter. Tommy and Dan, they both want you to do some, they want to hear some sports commentary. Ugh. Yes. First for Tommy, let's have an honest chat about the future of Bill Belichick. Is he still the coach of the Pats after this season? The New England Patriots. I know who it is. I know who it is. It's the guy that cheats and then everyone's like, eh, it's fine. 113 million people watch the Super Bowl and this guy treats these conversations like we're some some niche hobby we yeah, got we... over here. <laughs> Tell me more about your fucking Elden Ring, Bill. I, lo- <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love when Tommy goes on this. <laughs> it's great. All right, all right. Yeah, you love football. What a what a, what a guy's guy. Let's hear it. Let's, uh, I'm not like the other girls. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Something about Bill Belichick. What uh, What do you got to say about him? Here's a way to bring you in. I don't Pol- want to be brought in. Just answer the fucking question. <laughs> I wanna, I'm, I, look, I'm going to build bridges here. Okay. Uh, Politico, you love Politico. They reported the Patriots are so bad that Republican candidates are finally allowed to campaign in New Hampshire during Patriots games. This news cycle. I love oh, that story. Wow. Really, that's, that's interesting. It's, it's a sad. Because the Patriots story. are three and 10 or worse than the Jets. But I think Bill Belichick should get another year. He made some bad choices in the drafts. Shouldn't have hired a defensive coordinator to be your offensive coordinator. That was probably a mistake. Uh, it's weird that he hired his son to be a coach. Nepo baby? Yeah, he's got a Nepo baby on staff, yeah. As but, you know, I do not 
follow the Patriots as closely as you do, but I just saw before we started recording that Tom Curran, who is a, a excellent sports reporter. excellent sports reporter for a local NBC affiliate in Boston, uh, he says that the decision has been made that Belichick's going to be out for <sighs> this is it for the last this is the last wow. season. Well, so the flip side is he's the best coach of all time. He's seventy one years old. He's don't cry because it's over. Laugh because it happened. Yeah, six I mean, Super nine, Bowls. Yeah, nine Super Bowl appearances, six Super Bowls. It's a that lot. makes me sad. I That's a know. ton it's of the them. Most, most ever. Most, most ever. ever. Wow. For an NFL coach. Anyway, we'll thus, see. Thus Maybe it's, it's still it's still an early report. Sports talk. By the time people hear this podcast, <laughs> no, no, no. we'll know whether it's true or not. Yeah, well, that's right. You'll, yeah, you'll all know by now. And in the pursuit of fairness, what are Dan's thoughts on the eventual banning of the Tush Push? And then it says in parentheses, <laughs> hey. love its commentary, welcome as well. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Dan, Dan, what do you think about the Tush Push? This is part of the freedom agenda I was discussing earlier. <laughs> oh boy what you wish i could but what is the tush push yeah what is the tush the push? tush push otherwise known as the brotherly shove is a play the Whoa. philadelphia eagles <laughs> hey, do not better <laughs> yeah i'm just telling you what it is that the philadelphia eagles do where the offensive line and the running backs all just push the quarterback over the, into the end zone or uh to get the first down and the field- short yardage situations. Oh, yeah. so it's like okay, I see. And, and it's not allowed. It is. It is allowed. The NFL thought of banning it. La- no one's ever done it before successfully. The Eagles did last season. They thought they would ban it. They didn't. I'm being asked this question because people assume fairly that I am an Eagles fan because I grew up near Philly and I'm a Philly fan of everything else. But that's not actually the case. I'm actually a Washington Commanders fan because that's how I was raised. Is that why people throw batteries at you when we're in Philly? That's. The- <laughs> That that's that's for the my 2016 <laughs> election takes, but it's so. <laughs> <laughs> so so basically basically like um it's uh kind of like uh like uh the football equivalent of putting a sumo wrestler in the hockey goal. Yes, they, like, yes. They just they just even though they're kind of being tackled, they're being pushed from behind and just sort of forcing through. That's cool. How can you ban that? Yeah, can I ask what, cool why, why do they want to ban the tush push? Be, because it's seen as an unfair advantage. I think they should not ban it. And the reason that people are paying even more attention to it is the key, the reason why Philadelphia can do it and no one else can is because the center for the Philadelphia Eagles is Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey's brother. And now a huge podcast And they have podcaster. a huge podcaster. We got to take that fucker down. Yeah. And their quarterback, Jalen Hurts, is super athletic and strong and just a badass. Can like squat can 600 pounds or something. Run people goes. over, yeah. yeah. So every so the tush push is available to everyone because yeah. it's America. <laughs> But the eagles, the, the eagles, because they're because um these are people that know how to climb a greasy pole. Yes. like they figure, you know, they're just they're they're the scr- they're people from Philadelphia. They're, they're animals. Shove. They're fucking yeah, you could, monsters. You could, you could come up with the name for it for every city. You yeah, know? <laughs> you could, and I will. <laughs> I was but, gonna say. Okay. you keep thinking while we're doing the rest of the questions. <laughs> <laughs> Tush push. Tush push. It's fun uh, to say. Buy me dinner first, Philadelphia. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Okay, uh, another question for Dan from Marcus Lang. Dan, what have been some of your favorite music releases of 2023? This question is for everyone, but I think my music tastes are more aligned with Dan than the rest of the guys. Okay, Marcus. (laughs) Sorry, Marcus. Sent from Margaritaville? (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming this is a hip-hop related question because I generally Mm. listen probably to more hip-hop than you guys do. And I would say that this is the year I've been trying mightily to outpace my age and stay very current on hip hop, but that became impossible this year. But there are two albums that came out this year that I very much like. One is by a rapper called No Name, who's a Chicago rapper and poet who 
which sort of became famous many years ago uh, by being on Chance the Rapper's mixtape. And she has an incredible album that came out this year. And then Black Thought from The Roots has a solo album this year that's excellent. I want to be able to, I wish I could say that I was really into Andre 3000's flute album, but I can't, I can't no. make myself do that. <laughs> Not doing the flute thing. All right. Has the Young Thug trial gotten you into any of his songs? Uh, I have listened to I have listened to a fair amount of Young Thug in my life, but I have not his his involvement in Rico has not made it more appealing to me. <laughs> Dan, what did you think of the latest Drake album? Not a fan. Yeah, I tried too, and I was like, it's not. It's just a little, like a little too slow for me. Yeah, I feel I feel like that. Anyway, he's missed his moment, or his moment's over. Yeah. Anyone else? Anyone else have any music releases they'd like to to like to tout? Uh, um, I'm listening. To you, I'm listening to a lot of Ethel Kane. Our music taste is very different. <laughs> Uh, you know, basically, sort of somebody who's upset and non-binary, like that's what Spotify is going to show me a fair amount of. Cool. Um, that's that's a lot of it. Um, so yeah, I've been listening. Ethel Kane really rising, really rising. Well, uh, next question is: We're really moving into recommendations territory here. Uh, Some gold can stay on Instagram asks: uh, What are you reading or watching, or in Lovett's case, playing? So I have been, I just watched um, Leave the World Behind, the Julia Roberts, Mahersha Ali movie. And it's, I think it's excellent. I really liked it. Uh, I loved it too. I'm not playing anything yet, but over the break, I plan to play Tears of the Kingdom, The Lies of P, and uh, Baldur's Gate, the new Baldur's Gate. I, I don't know which order I'm going to play them in, but I'm very excited to finally have some time because I've just been on the road the last couple of months. And like gaming is like, it is the reading of looking at a screen. You know what I mean? <laughs> in the sense that like you need a lot of time, you got to get into it. You can't just do it here and there. You got to really commit. Okay. Did the Obamas produce Leave the World Behind? Is that a higher ground they film? They did. They did. They did. I, why, I don't know, but that they, they certainly did. They're, it says higher ground on it. And they were both uh, posting about it. I guess it is sort of. I guess there is a. I guess there is a logic to the kind of spirit of of the film. I suppose in the end. Dan, what about you? I don't know whether people will hear this before they hear our New Year's resolution episode. But one of my New Year's resolution, my New Year's resolution was to improve my attention span. And one way in which I'll do that is get back to reading as much as I used to do. Which because this was not a good reading year, but one uh, set of books that I think are excellent. I'd recommend to everyone are the. Uh, the crime novels by S.A. Cosby, who writes about uh, crime in the in the South, usually in the Virginia area. He's a black guy. It's a very different than your typical crime noir. He has three. All the Sinners Bleed is the one that came out this year. They're excellent. Oh um, yeah, watch anything good? What you're you're always our uh, any good reality shows that you're watching? I spent a lot of my 2023 catching up to Scandal on Vanderpump Rules, a decision I definitely <laughs> do not regret in any way, shape, or form. It was very made this this year this otherwise tough year great. Um, that sort of reality TV stuff. I've been trying to think of like what was really good that I watched this year. I mean, obviously, we all watched Succession. That was amazing. Yeah. The Diplomat, I, I found very enjoyable it. as a Netflix show. Uh, yeah. yeah. It I worked. There were a couple of I bet I could see just Tommy being season. very angry at how absurd it is. <laughs> the lack the, of realism. The lack of yeah, realism yeah. in the, uh, Brit- the uh, British ambassador also being a spy. Or, yeah, or being in charge of anything. Um, uh, Ooh, tough yeah. hit. Well, the U.S. ambassador of the U.K. is generally not running all foreign policy or prepared to be the vice president. Spoiler. Or a former CIA. But uh, I've been reading The 90s by Chuck Klosterman. It's a recent book that's out. It's very good. Um, also, I was listening to some Noah Khan. He had a great new album out this year. Also, watching, though, I, the, the latest season of Dave was good. Was that this year or last oh, year? Oh, that's a good one. That was, was great. It's great to watch. So I'm watching The Curse with uh, Nathan Fielder and Emma Stone. And first couple episodes, I was like, what is going on here? 
and now I'm like like six episodes in, and I love it. I think I, it's really good. I'm I'm going through. I I think the curse is excellent. I'm going slowly in part because it's such an intense watch, and also like I just I just feel like there's so much prestige content that I like want to respect it enough to not binge it. Like the fact that like a Julia Roberts movie directed by Sam Esmail, who I love, just like pops up one day. Or like there's a David Fincher movie with Michael Fassbender in it. Can and I, I like can't get myself to hit Planet, a new Fincher movie. There needs to be better curation of like the real good stuff that's out there because it is now impossible to find. You want like a home box office. <laughs> <it's> all on. <laughs> because they've all, yeah, because they've all decided to be like fucking Netflix now. And so you, if you go to the Max app, you're just like swimming through shit, you know? Yeah. Same thing with Netflix yeah. now. Same thing with Paramount Plus, which is now Showtime's going away. Now it's all going to be Paramount Plus. This sucks, this new world. Like someone needs needs to tell us like what is the what's the great new stuff that's out there now? What if someone started a publication called the TV Guide and you could go there to find out what was <laughs> airing and yeah, where? Yeah, really. When you're back to the TV Guide, yeah, I used to like my Entertainment Weekly, you know, and then it was like it's it's still calling it that, but it's monthly, and they're like it's nothing now. <laughs> now it's nothing. I love Nathan for you, but the curse. It feels like it's going to make me feel so awkward that I'm not going to get through it. It gets uh, weirdly enough, it gets less awkward and funnier as it goes. I think, and it's like it's like a real satire on just a lot of things. Oh, one things today. one book I read this year was Termination Shock, which I really recommend mm. by Neil Stevenson. I love Neil Stevenson, and uh, it's everything I wanted Ministry of the Future to be. You know, mm. that's all. Uh, I just finished Yellow Face by uh, R. F. Kuang. Fantastic book. Yeah, you can read it in one sitting. It's great. It's fun. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car... Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Hey there, Brenda. It's Carol. Exactly. So which leg are we operating on? You mean arm. It's all connected. Asking the right question can greatly impact your future. Are you sure you're an orthopedist? Actually, I'm a Sagittarius. Especially when it comes to your finances. Do you have a question? Are you a certified financial planner? Yes, I'm a CFP professional. CFP professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. There's a follow-up question here from uh, a similar question from Veroska Korea, uh, who says, uh, at John Favs always says he does not read any books, even making it his New Year resolution to read at least one book per month. However, when he interviews guests that have written a book, which happens quite often, he always seems to have read them. Mm. Has he? Have you? Well, Vera. Have you? Yes, I have. Uh, uh, knowing. Yes, I have. Oh, you've read them all? That's amazing. covered on the couch over this there. Is especially, so impressive. This is especially an offline thing. Yeah. And I remember read them before all. offline, Every word. When, when my friend Tommy <laughs> would interview people who've written books, and he reads, he's always like, oh, I'm reading the whole book. Don't drag and me I was into like, your lie. How are you reading this whole book? And he does. 
But when you do, it, like for Pod Save America, maybe you can get away with it because it's like a yeah, 15, maybe. 20 minute interview. <laughs> on offline, on offline, it's like I'm, I'm talking to them for 45 minutes. Of course I have to read the book. So I have been, I read all the offline guest books. And they're, yeah, and they're, you never, uh, you never kind of thumb a few pages ahead. <laughs> you never do <laughs> like a chapter. TikTok, TikTok. Doppelganger from Naomi, by Naomi Klein just read. A uh, comedy book, Jesse David Fox was great. Democracy Awakening, Heather Cox Richardson. I was uh, just naming books. Stolen Focus, <laughs> Johan Harry. Yeah, we know you know about books. <laughs> Moby Dick. <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to the episodes. You can listen to the episodes. Anyway, I do that. Love it. Here's a question for you from Twitter user Baltinerdist. Uh, question for John Lovett. My primary care physician with no prompting suggested I too go on experimental pancreas medicine. Uh-huh. Now that your pancreas is well treated, <laughs> would you recommend it to others? So I listen. I, I've, if I've said one thing on this show, I think you all know I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. All I will tell you is I look... Why did I decide to go on Manjaro? Because I felt bad about how often I was failing to eat well and in a way where I didn't feel guilty all the time. So I decided to try this thing because they give you a coupon, you know, like a drug dealer outside of school. They give you a deal on the first one. And <laughs> I didn't know that. You didn't know drug dealers give you a deal on the, the first the one? Coupon the coupon for the pancreas. Yeah, there's coupons. There's uh, one coupons free pancreas. Buy coupons. one, get one free. <laughs> Promo code There's Loli. coupons out there. Yes. <laughs> and I like, the, so like, look, I, my yo yo for a long time and I've lost 20, 30 pounds before, but I've never done it without having to like fight tooth and nail for every inch. Like it came really easily. And the thing that's amazing about it is uh, it's not, obviously I've lost weight. Great. But the, the way it stops, like the food noise in your brain and the way it has changed, like my relationship to food, like the first time after I took Manjaro and I went out for sushi and I had like one sushi roll with my friend and I felt really full, I realized I felt guilty. And I was like, wait, you feel good, be guilty every time you're full. You don't need to do that because, you know, being worried that you're eating too much or not taking care of yourself or that you're not achieving your goals, whatever, doesn't need to be connected to the feeling of being full anymore. And once those t- things mm. separated, that changed my whole fucking life. I'm driving slower out there. <laughs> I am. I'm like, there's like extra discipline for other things. Maybe for both of you. Yeah, I was gonna say where where you, where you has see that, it. If you where if has you the thought, dis- where have you, you seen that discipline? You, I Are knew you that's, driving that's slower because you're not what? going to the restaurant. No, because I, I think because like my mind is not what are you I, saying? I'm spending less energy on the discipline of not eating and worrying about exercise uh, and diet. And so on the whole, I'm a less impulsive and less sort of undisciplined and procrastinating person yeah, maybe no, subtly I've, I've definitely you you could say that. listen i'm not looking you i don't need you to see it all right i need dan to see it <laughs> two of us two of us did write a book with you yeah over the last yeah months. and you know what is it done do you, you know what it would you know it's what true. world we'd be living in yeah. remember when i would like work and get it to you over those weekends mm. remember what it would be like before that there's no fucking book if i'm not on this medicine anyway do whatever your doctor says <laughs> <laughs> don't take advice don't take advice from me I'm an I'm an insecure and in vain in vain Hollywood person. I love the way you phased the rollout of this whole thing. Yeah, because you would sort of allude to it or like on. the middle of like the fourth ad in a Pod Save America. <laughs> no, that's you right. Just like yes. drop it in. I yes. soft launched it. Yeah. I soft launched <laughs> it. It went well. You traveled it. Anyway, uh, yeah. I, I, all I'll say is, you can pry it from my cold dead fucking hands. I, know I don't care how many diabetics can't access it. I'm getting it first. Oh my god. That's <laughs> not. Get behind me. Get in line behind me, diabetics. I need my tummy medicine. <laughs> All right, we do have another we do have another question about your relationship oh, with food. Oh good. A Culfin 2 on Instagram asks, Love it, are you an applesauce, sour cream, or a combo person? 
for your latkes. Combo, combo, combo. I like both. A little bit of both. A little bit, little, little bit of the sour cream, a little bit of sweet. It's great. Also, although sometimes what I'll do is take a latke, put some sour cream on top, put some smoked salmon on that bad boy. Throw some oh, locks on top. Wow. You got yourself a sandwich. Okay, okay. We've, um, there's like a little latke song that we sing to Lizette that has like certain hand motions about you like peel them, roll it, mm-hmm. pat it. Yeah. She gets super into it. That's I love, cute. I, love, I, like the, I like the Jewish energy. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, we got another one. We got- <laughs> <laughs> Put her in the book. <laughs> Future college president. <laughs> All right. Uh, last question is from Kyle Man Chest Hair. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it is. On Instagram, who asks, best holiday food, Thanksgiving or Christmas? All right, everyone. Dan, you wanted to answer this question, so what do you think? Well, I am in charge of cooking Christmas dinner this year, and so I mm-hmm. Googled options, and here's the trick of this question. Literally anything can be Christmas dinner. You want to do a roast, true. you want to do a ham, you want to do lasagna, meatballs, lamb, you can do anything. So I love Thanksgiving. It is one of my favorite meals of the year, so much so that we have it Friendsgiving, Thanksgiving, a lot of turkey and stuffing in November, but... How can you go against a holiday where you can have anything you want? Get yourself a spiral cut ham. Uh, uh, you know, I want to talk about ham. It's a big haka ham. It, it's pre-cooked for you, and then someone dumps sugar all over the outside. See, that's what we do growing up for Christmas, it's a and good I combo. loved it. Christmas, I, that was their Christmas day, was the spiral ham. I didn't try, I like as a Jewish American, I remember the first time, I ham to me existed as like a lunch meat, like an Oscar Mayer thing oh. that would be a sandwich. And I remember seeing- Like deli cut ham. Deli cut ham. And I remember seeing in film- and like cartoons that there was such a thing as like a baked honey ham but i didn't try it i remember it was i it was at um it was a, a hillary clinton holiday party so i was a full blown adult i'd literally never had it and for the first time i had honey baked ham a spiral cut ham i believe and i was like i cannot be- i tasted it i could not believe that you goyasha maniacs are calling this <laughs> incredibly salty sweet thing an entree an entree, the idea of taking more it was like than, an appetizer or a dessert. I, I, no, I knew that you were describing it as an entree. I yeah. just assumed it would. I just couldn't believe how much salty, sweet mm-hmm. that this yeah. thing was bringing to the table. Like you have a couple bites, I feel like you got to take a nap. It's a big, uh, big Easter day food too. You got to have some ham on Easter. I was the saltiness. Mm, yeah, that's wild. It's very salty. But you don't do any other. That's not like it's not like you take a bite of turkey and you're like. You got to drink a glass of water. No, it's not like it's, In not, fact, it's just a special it's, entree. Sometimes it's just a little too dry. Right, turkey. but but the honey baked ham, the yeah. spiral cut ham, so good, wild. I will say though, despite the fact that you can have anything you want, that's partly why I think I like Thanksgiving better. Is because with Thanksgiving, you know what you're getting, and you can look forward to the meal because you know you're the forced to suffer. Yeah, and de- eat turkey. Well, well, well like a haiku, on, it, cre- it provides a creative bound. But for no. Christmas, it's depending right. on where you go and what they decide to cook. So you don't know what you're getting. So you could get something great, or you could get something shitty. If you go to your random aunt's house and they decide to make something terrible, well, you gotta get I better aunts. Christmas, you you go to you go to <laughs> Benihana, and you have a great fucking time. Benihana, that, you can go to Benihana on Christmas. That's the beauty of it. You can go, and that's a great night. That's a great night. Do you look around the room? You know what? If Emily hasn't had the baby yet, maybe we will go to Benihana. On There's um, That's a good I like idea. to see the college president say that there. <laughs> There's a great TikTok. Come to Benihana on Christmas. Say it there. You won't because it's filled with juice. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great TikTok I saw recently of a dude at a Benihana dinner and he brought a bunch of tortillas and he threw them onto the, uh, the fryer. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, that is 
fucking genius. He brought his own tortillas. Benihana in a tortilla must be so good. Well, I hope everyone enjoys their Benihana Christmas. Thank you, John. Or Hanukkah. Or just going to Benihana just for fun. Benihana, bring your tortillas. I'm going with Elise Stefanik. (laughs) (laughs) Benihana. Nice. (laughs) I had to say it twice. That's great. Uh, Happy holidays, everyone. Uh, And we will uh, talk to you in the new year. If you want to get ad-free episodes, exclusive content, and more, consider joining our Friends of the Pod subscription community at crooked.com slash friends. And if you're already doom scrolling, don't forget to follow us at Pod Save America on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube for access to full episodes, bonus content, and more. Plus, if you're as opinionated as we are, consider dropping us a review. Give us your own takes. Hey, give us a review. Give us your takes on our takes. Pod Save America is a Crooked Media production. Our producers are Olivia Martinez and David Toledo. Our associate producer is Farah Safari. Writing support from Hallie Kiefer. Reed Churlin is our executive producer. The show is mixed and edited by Andrew Chadwick. Jordan Cantor is our sound engineer with audio support from Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis. Madeline Herringer is our head of news and programming. Matt DeGroat is our head of production. Andy Taft is our executive assistant. Thanks to our digital team, Elijah Cohn, Haley Jones, Mia Kelman, David Tolls, Kirill Palaviv, and Molly Lobel. I'm Jessica Reeves, and I've been analyzing and reporting on extremism for the last 10 years, and I have the gray hair to prove it. Subscribe to our podcast, Extremely, for an always eye-opening look inside the daily work of exposing, fighting, and disrupting all facets of extremism. My co-host, Oren Siegel, and I explore this ever-changing landscape and bring you stories of people and places impacted by extremism, those who fight to protect our communities, and those who offer new perspectives. You can find Extremely wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue and give your family and friends the holiday treats they deserve, then you need to get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Woo! Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Uh, Start with the professional Layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Is this our chance to do our own Trump University? I yeah. feel like this is nice. a... This is Crooked a, you. We're sitting on a goldmine here, Squarespace. Yeah. We have uh, one Takes 101. That's that's our oh, first first offering. I love that idea. <laughs> write someone write that down. <laughs> Takes. <laughs> I got it right here. Takes. That's a good one. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash crooked to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash crooked.